Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to episode 16 of This Week in Marvel. Four months straight we've been doing this. Very exciting. I am Ryan Panagos, Marvel Digital Media Group's Executive Editorial Director, also known as Agent M on the Twitters, joined by... I am Ben Morse, Associate Editor of Marvel.com, and we are also joined in the background by our very helpful intern, Nancy Nguyen. Nancy, why don't you wave at the microphone? She did. She and waved. She smiled. She smiled. Uh, Nancy and our other intern, Carrie, joined myself and a couple other Marvelites yesterday as we went to Twitter, uh, to Twitter, to Toy yeah. Fair. I got Twitter on the brain, guys. Is that anything new? We went to Toy Fair, so we're going to have a lot of information about Toy Fair later in the episode. But for if you're just joining us on This Week in Marvel, it's the official podcast for everything Marvel, from news, information, new releases, lots of good stuff, and questions. So we have a ton of, we actually have a ton of great questions this week, and those we'll get to at the end of the show. But if you want to know how to get us questions or comments or anything, use the hashtag this week in Marvel, one word, and tweet it to us. You can tweet it to at agent underscore M or at Ben J. Morse. But as long as you have the hashtag in there, we'll make sure we see it included into the questions for next week. Yeah, it's very important to include that hashtag because I get a lot directly to me, which I'm like, oh, that's great. I'll include that, but I'll get them like over the weekend or something. And you then, may forget about yeah, it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, for, I'll forget to include them by the time we get to the podcast, but you have this week in Marvel. We, we check that right beforehand. Yeah, so. and I, I got actually three right before we went <laughs> that weren't hashtagged, so I added them to the list. Yes. Um, but, you know... That was just because they came right before we started to record. You lucked out. Lucked out. All right, so we're going to go into the new comics on sale this week. So comics went on sale February 15th. All right, so first up this week is The Amazing Spider-Man number 679.1, co-written by Chris Yost and Dan Slott. And I didn't even realize that Yosty helped out on this book until opening up the until getting ready for the podcast. Yes, Chris Yost, of course, just helped launch Scarlet Spider. So he, well... He did launch Scarlet Spider as the writer. He was assisted by Ryan Stegman, the artist who, you know, does a little bit. He helped out on this issue of Amazing Spider-Man because Dan Slott is gearing up for Ends of the Earth, which is the next big Amazing Spider-Man event. So as he gets ready for that, just got a little help on the uh, scripting and plotting end of thing from Chris Yost. Very cool. Two great writers, two great guys. A lot of good talent in the uh, Spider-Man office. Totally. And then on art on this issue, you have Matthew Clark on pencils, Tom Palmer, Tom Palmer on inks. So this is a point one issue. Our point one initiative is we put out a series of issues that are numbered point one, and it's for you guys to jump on in. Anyone who is new to a book, this is a great starting point for new directions, new things, new ideas, new concepts, new create whatever it is. It's a great way for a new reader to jump into the books. And it doesn't uh, derail everything that's going on, but it's a it's a great signal, signifier of some new stuff to come and lets you jump in. And for fans who are just normally reading, it adds so much to everything that else is going on. And that really works to uh, this issue's favor, because in Amazing Spider-Man, it ties in a bunch of things that Dan Slott and the Spider-Office have been working on for Amazing Spider-Man for the last few years or a year or so since... Um, Big time. Dan Slott's the sort of after uh, some craziness for Spidey. Big time. A lot of things changed for him. He's got this great job at Horizon Labs. So in in that job at Horizon Labs, he's got a bunch of other brilliant scientists. Peter Parker is just one of sort of a, a hive mind of great, brilliant dudes and, and dudettes. Dudettes. Mm-hmm. Who uses that word? 
the Ninja Turtles in the 90s. Those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, there's this group of scientists, including Watu Jackson, who's this little kid, and yeah. he's he's a great character. He's sort of, he's a little bit of a smart aleck. Yeah. But, I mean, he's really smart, uh, but he's got his own things going on, and he's very curious, being like 12 or 13 or whatever he is. He's got a great line in this book about how... Um... He's, he gets in a fight and holds his own and says, I don't know the exact line, it's towards the end where he's like, you think I've never been in a fight before? My name is Uatu. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's obviously been picked on. Yeah. But he can hold his own. Yeah. Parents, don't name your kids Uatu. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so part of the brain trust, the, the super scientists at Horizon, there's one mystery scientist. And right. we found out who that mystery scientist was. As readers, we found out who it was during Spider Island. But none of the the actual cast members in the book knew who it was except for, you know, the guy who runs Horizon. Dr. Modell. Modell. Yeah, Max. Martin. Mar- Max. 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 Max Modell. Max Nodell. Modell. We should be better at this. Yeah, we should. It's all right. This is, this is what we get paid for. Yep. It's got to be Modell because it's, it's got to be alliterative like all comic book names. Max Modell. There it is. Yep. He's sort of the Steve's jo- Steve Jobsian type character. Right. But, I was going to say Steve Wacker type character. Thankfully, no. He pro- Steve Wacker really thinks he is. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, so we find out uh, that there's a big secret revealed to the cast of who the sixth scientist is, who, who's been running lab number six. And I won't spoil it here because it's great. Um, and it, it sort of ties into what is coming for mm-hmm. the future of the book. But Uatu has some great moments and he more or less teams up with Spidey to, to take down a character and there's a lot going on. It builds yeah. on a lot of the elements that have been set up in Amazing Spider-Man over the last year and really then pushes everything forward and has another... We were talking about this last week. Yeah. Those last pages, a really solid last page can just totally push a book over the top and this one totally has it. There's some major status quo changes as well for Peter Parker and Spider-Man's status at Horizon Labs as far as, well, more Spider-Man status because, and, and I have to commend you for being able to summarize the book without revealing who the mystery character is yeah. because it is a very cool reveal, but it's also hard to discuss. Yeah. Um, stuff that happens in the course of the issue leads Max Modell and Horizon Labs to reconsider somewhat their policy on Spider-Man, which up to this point has been very friendly, but it changes here. And... With good reason. Yeah, with if, good reason. If you're, if you're Max, it makes yeah. sense. He's he's raw. Yeah. He's I like angry. this little, you're looking at it right now, the like layout of Horizon Labs. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Clark does like a little... Cutaway. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's like a Marvel handbook style, or like what they used to do back in the 60s when they showed like the Fantastic Four headquarters, so you see how Horizon Labs is laid out. Yeah. But, yeah. There's also, on the page before that, uh, Matthew Clark draws Spidey with donuts, well, I guess they're bagels. bagels. They're bagels. But yeah. I remember when we were kids, yeah. for some Spidey was always eating donuts. There were a lot of issues where McFarlane would draw him eating donuts. Oh, yeah. Right? I think McFarlane just liked donuts. I saw McFarlane at Toy Fair yesterday. Yeah? I didn't say hello. Was he having a donut? I don't know him. No. It's all right. He was eating a donut, I bet. Indeed. Very good issue. And I also, I think, uh, Watu Jackson's a lot of fun. I hope we see more of him. We need more smart-alecky kid characters in the vein of Kid Loki. 
But Uatu Jackson was very different than Kid Loki. Yeah. So I just want an array of kid characters. Well, you know what? I think we, we have a really good array of them right now. We've got yeah. Kid Loki. We have right. Leia. We have Uatu. Mm-hmm. We have all the kids in the Future Foundation. Oh, yeah. You know, we have Molly over in Runaways. Yeah. We've got a lot of kids in uh, the Jean Grey school. That's true. There's a lot of really good younger characters. Probably more right now than there have been at any time. Because not just, like, teenage characters, but, yeah. like, preteens. Yeah, it's, it's is, fantastic. And at age 30, I did not realize I would be relating so much to these That says more about you characters. than anything else, Ben. I, I, I'm happy about what it says about me. Moving on. <laughs> Avengers number 22 out this week, written by Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, Renato Guedes fills in on art for Daniel Acuna, and it was kind of cool to see a different rendition of kind of the big league Avengers um, who Acuna's been drawing for a while, John Romita Jr. before him. Guedes really steps up and does a great job on this issue. This is kind of the lowest ebb for the current Avengers team. Mm. A lot of them have been captured by Norman Osborn and his conglomerate of Hammer, Hydra, the other people he's working with. Nightmare so, team. Yeah. <laughs> we see Captain America, Iron Man, Spider-Woman, Red Hulk. They're all held captive, and we kind of you know see the lengths that Norman Osborn and his comrades are going to try to break them. Um, there's a really good scene with Viper and Captain America, and then with Viper and Spider-Woman. Uh, two very different dynamics, but Viper really gets a chance to shine and kind of expand her character. I know it's a character Bendis loves. And then while these guys are locked up, you've got the Avengers who are still free, Quake and Vision, uh, basically trying to gather the situation, try to figure out what's going on, all the while... The U.S. government, the president, is trying to figure out how to deal with Norman Osborn, who has basically said, I was I was railroaded, I was put in jail illegally, uh, the Avengers have done wrong, and the government trying to figure out, did the Avengers do wrong? <laughs> and a lot of commentary on how the public sees the Avengers, which is going to lead directly into AVX, and be very important. So... The current Avengers storyline is good, but it's all, it's it's very uh, it's very pivotal as we head towards AVX. Over in Avenging Spider-Man number four, uh, this is one of my favorite issues of the week. Um, Avenging Spider-Man, of course, is our new team-up title, written by Zeb Wells, uh, illustrated this time around by Greg Land. Features Spider-Man teaming up with various Avengers and other characters, and this go around after we had the three-part Red Hulk story to kick it off. Hawkeye is the guest star here. So it's Zeb Wells writing Hawkeye, Greg Land doing illustrations, and Spider-Man and Hawkeye is a very interesting dynamic because they're <laughs> both kind of wise Alex. They're both free spirits, so to say. Um, they're both the kind of guys who, if they're teamed with Captain America, will be mouthing off and kind of being obnoxious. But when you put them together, you don't know who's going to kind of step up and be the Captain America of the team. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it ends up being Spider-Man. I think any other day it could just as easily be Hawkeye. Uh, they've been teamed up by Captain America, and they're going out. They're they're, based, they're just patrolling. Hawkeye never patrols, which I thought was a great <laughs> little touch. Like Spider-Man's like, all right, we're going to go patrolling. And Hawkeye's like, what are you talking about? What is patrolling? Because, you know, Hawkeye has never really been a Spider-Man-esque solo hero. He's always been an Avenger. He sits around Avengers Mansion where there's a mission. He goes out and he does it. So Spider-Man kind of teaches Hawkeye how to patrol. Hawkeye has the attention span of patience of, like, a four-year-old. But it's it's funny, and it leads to funny situations, yeah. but it's explained by Zeb Wells why Hawkeye is the way he is. And there's been a lot of good Hawkeye issues lately. We've been talking about how Hawkeye's been everywhere between Secret Avengers, um, coming up in Avengers Assemble, all the Avengers titles he's been in, his solo title. 
Um, he's been everywhere, and a lot of people from Rick Remender on have been doing great renditions of Hawkeye. But Zeb Wells, mine's a little deeper here and kind of gets to the heart of why is Hawkeye the way he is? Why is he such a perfectionist? Why is he just want to get things done? Why does he have the attitude he does? It's a really great character study, and it uses Spider-Man to play off and examine Hawkeye. And again, as with the point one thing, I don't want to kind of tip my hat as to what the resolution is, but uh, if you're a fan of Hawkeye or if you just you know want to learn more about a great character, it's a great issue to get. Also of note is Sidewinder and the Serpent Society. <laughs> Another appearance. Are the villains here making three appearances in two weeks by some sort of serpent team. So I think we've got to keep tracking that through 2012. This new love affair with the uh, snake-themed villains. It's about Marvel. time. Yeah, it, it is about time. Good for them getting their due. But I really like this issue and should note that it includes a uh, code for a free digital copy. So if you buy this issue, there's a sticker inside that you can peel off and you can, if you buy it in print, you can get a digital copy for free. And I will make a note that uh, our first few issues where we included the digital copy for free with the print issue came, the, the book was polybagged. Yes. So we're trying this new way with the sticker in the back that will let you, so we, you can actually preview off. the book in your local comic shop right. uh, and, and see the, the issue before you buy it, which I know is, is huge for all of us who are comic fans. We want to know what we're buying before just buying it blindly. The sticker will not affect the book's you know, condition or anything like that. And I know that's also uh, a big concern for a lot of collectors out there and folks who want to keep their issues for a long period of time. It doesn't leave residue. It doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very simple um, peel-off. It doesn't leave anything there. It, it comes off easily, and it's, it's great. Also, stickers are just fun. I love stickers. I love stickers. I wish they were uh, scratch and sniff. Yeah. I wonder if we can get David Gabriel move. to make them sna- uh, scratch and sniff. Snatch and scratch? Scratch for scratch. Yeah. A lot of fun. Good issue. One and last comment about the issue. Uh, Hawkeye's Sky Cycle oh, yeah. is in it, and I love it. it it's, yeah. I was looking at it like, that has wheels, but those aren't wheels. It's that's so not cool. a thing that I don't know. I don't know if that's the first appearance of the... I mean, Hawkeye's always had a Sky Cycle since, well, I mean, probably not back in the 60s. Maybe. Before we could conceive of such things. Sure. I, I guess they probably could conceive such things. But yeah, this is a redesigned Sky Cycle. It's very cool. Also this week, Daredevil number 9 by Mark Wade and then Paulo and Joe Rivera. I think I've talked about this book more than enough over the past eight, nine months. It is easily... I think the creative team and editors would disagree with you. They would say you cannot talk about it. Oh, and I, I also, I, I can't overlook Javier Rodriguez. because yes. As always, his colors just scream off the page. Everything about this is beautiful. It's a, an amazingly well-told story. This is Daredevil is, you know, when we talk about, hey, I want, I'm just getting into comics. What is a new book that I should... What is something that I should read that I'll really enjoy the medium? It's this. It's Daredevil. Yes. It's this current series. I mean, Daredevil has been great for a very long time. But I, it's insane to say that I think this is the best Daredevil has ever been. Wow. For me? Yeah. yeah I, th- I think it's, it's far okay. and away. It's just... It's so beautiful. It's so well written. It's so clever. It's got such great twists and turns, and the characters are so exactly what you want them to be. Knowing the like Foggy in this series is exactly the Foggy I want to see. Mm-hmm. Matt is is the the Matt Murdock, the Daredevil that I want to see. He's he's got the lover. He's got the fighter. He's got the brilliant lawyer bits. Everything 
comes together. And there's the romance, the black cat bits in this. Everything is, is just so good. He's fighting the Mole Man. There's a lot going on. Uh, the great use of his radar sense in this yeah. issue. And it's just, it's number nine. If you're not reading it, I really hope you jump on. Probably have to, I, I would pick up the last two issues or so. I would pick up the whole series if right. you don't have it. But uh, definitely This kind of starts fresh, though. This would be a good place to jump on. You should get the whole series regardless. The last issue, is, I mean, it, yeah. it, they really recap everything in the first couple pages, so you can yeah. just jump in. That's what I'm saying. It's a good sample. Yeah. A good sample issue. But you, you can, I, I would suggest getting in a couple issues as well. I thought that was kind of neat that I'd never even thought about that Mole Man is blind. And I think he may be one of the few other blind characters. So mm. it's Daredevil versus Mole Man is actually a different dynamic than pretty much any Daredevil story ever. So that's kind of cool. I think this is the first time they did that. Cool. Dark Tower, The Gunslinger, The Waystation, number three of five, co-written by Robin Firth and Peter David. Beautiful art by Lawrence Campbell and Richard Eisenhoff. Uh, this is continuing the original Dark Tower story that... Firth and David are crafting with Roland the Gunslinger pursuing his nemesis, the Man in Black, and it's a lot of mystery, a lot of creepy stuff. Basically, everything you expect from Stephen King, as always, you're, if you're a fan of the novels, this is a whole new chapter, this is something you've never seen before, so very cool. Fear Itself, The Fearless, is winding the corner. I believe this book debuted like around the same time our podcast did, so we have recapped all nine issues of it thus far mm -hmm. it's kind of it's grown with us it's, it's a very it's a very organic part of the podcast um i'm really i've really enjoyed it um written by colin bunn with assistance from matt fraction and chris yost co-penciled by mark bagley and paul pelletier and there are really two sections to this issue as there have been for most of the series because you got the focus on valkyrie you got the focus on sin and this issue valkyrie has an awesome fight with storm over one of the uh, Worthy Hammers, which is basically what she's tracking down. We find out more about why she is searching for the Worthy Hammers. And at the same time, on the other side, we find out, uh, thanks to Damon Hellstrom, once Our again, boy. in two books this week. We need a Damon Hellstrom versus the Serpent Squad Society. Oh, yeah, it's true. Damon Hellstrom, Serpents, will be the, will be the series name. Um, or Serpent of Satan, Son of Serpent. <laughs> Keep going. I, I get back, get back, on back track to here. You got me off track. So, anyways, Damon Hellstrom's in the book, and Sin and Crossbones kind of explain their agenda to him. So, here, as we enter into the final act, we're learning, you know, we've had hinted at thus far, we're learning exactly why Valkyrie's doing what she's doing, why Sin's doing what she's doing. Great action, as I mentioned, with Storm. Crossbones is such a jerk. Um, it's always fun. Got the rest of the X-Men appear here, Captain America, Doctor Strange. Just a really cool kind of tour of the Marvel Universe, which we were promised which we promised with the Fearless, and uh, it's living up to it's living up to its billing. And Formic Wars, Silent Strike, number three. Uh, just like with Dark Tower of the Gunslinger, this is a original story from an existing mythology, in this case, Orson Scott Card's Ender's Game. This is the prequel. In this issue, we kind of see the forces of Earth begin to go after the Formix. Uh, they take them on their own turf, and they use a variety of tactics and technology to kind of sneakily take on a, a force which is much more powerful and vast than themselves. It's kind of cool to see the clever ways in which they do this. It's written by Aaron Johnston. It is drawn by Giancarlo Caracuzzo, and it's a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed Formic Wars, as, I have, as I've been saying from the start. Is it my turn? Let's All right. Generation Hope, number 16, <laughs> by James Asmus and Takeshi Miyazawa. 
Takeshi Miyazawa, I wish was doing like so many more books yeah. for us because comes and goes and what Maybe we have. shows up. It's such a nice treat. I know, totally is great uh, manga style art. In this issue, you've got uh, Hope against Zero. Is that his? Uh, I yes. Think that's, Kinji. That's Kinji's. His code name is Zero. Zero. They don't use their code names a lot, no. so it's hard to keep track of them. But yeah. they do have them. Yeah. Uh, but Kinji totally just turns on the evil here. He he goes against Hope. He's trying to turn Transonic uh, Lori. Yes. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm trying to... No, you're doing good. Yeah. He, two for two. He tries to turn Lori against Hope, and things mm-hmm. are sort of, you know, she's she's sort of wavering in how she feels about it. Sebastian Shaw is, is sort of this shadow being cast over the whole crew. It, it's setting up. This is... The book is wrapping up in the next... Issue, I believe. This is the second last issue, yeah. This is the, the penultimate issue. Penultimate Sorry, issue. Sorry, I stole that from you, didn't I? It's all right. You wanted it. I set it up for you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. But this is the penultimate issue to Generation Hope, and if yeah. you've been following along, it's starting to wrap everything all up, and then we'll go very shortly into AVX, where Hope plays a major part. Yes, and also we'll have news on where you can next see the cast of Generation Hope following the conclusion of their series later on in this very podcast when we get to the news section. What? Yep. But I said on Twitter this past weekend when I read this book, I said, I'm really going to miss Generation Hope. I think James Asmus has been doing a great job. Yeah, so good on him. Halo Fall of Reach Invasion number two is out this week by Brian Reed and Felix Ruiz. I'm, I don't know if you got, if, if you follow me on Twitter, you know I'm a, a big gamer. I love games like crazy. I think I bought the Xbox, the first Xbox the day it came out, got a Halo. Uh, I, Halo was one of the launch games, and I played the hell out of that we ben and i used to work at a magazine called wizard and forgot about this when the original xbox came out there was you know they didn't have the networking capabilities set up early on especially for something like halo so we had linked consoles throughout the office and every day after work everyone would play halo it would be like give me a controller get in there you know shoot someone in the head go home i was terrible and you probably still are I have not played Halo since we worked there, Oof. so presumably, yeah, Oof. because I didn't have an Xbox, so I had no idea what I was doing. I just started work there. You're like, hey, come play Halo with us. I'm like, oh, this is great. I get to bond with my coworkers, and it was a lot of fun, but I did get, I did get killed a lot. Yeah. Anyway, to the comic, <laughs> uh, Halo Fall of Reach fits into, it fits perfectly into the continuity that you know if you've played Halo Reach, Halo 3, uh, the first, like, if you played all the games, this is really... A great story that fits into the cracks and tells you where Master Chief has basically where he started from in these uh, in these the comics that we've done to where he's going and how he gets to the Pillar of Autumn, how he gets to Halo, all the different you know bits and pieces. It's crazy. It's action packed. The Covenant it, it gives a, a great sense of scale for what the Covenant is trying to do, which they did well in the games, especially when you're on say Reach and the Covenant are coming down. But here, you're in space, you see, you know, the gigantic force that the Covenant has brought against the, uh, against humanity and the almost hopelessness of everything that's going on. And then, on the flip side of that, how the, uh, how Master Chief and the rest of the Spartans are so amazing and basically these, these ultimate super soldiers that could be humanity's last hope. Uh, Brian Reed is so tied into all this stuff. 
in part because he works with uh, the folks who make the Halo games. I mean, he, I think that's his like day job now. Yeah. And he's a he's a great writer, amazing stuff. I can't speak highly enough of our Halo comics, and Fall of Reach is really terrific. Invincible Iron Man number 513 by Matt Fraction and Salvador LaRocca is the pen penultimate chapter of Demon storyline. Um, man, what I like about this issue is it feels like I'm reading three comics in one. It's so packed with stuff. Uh, there's just so much going on. Uh, you've got Iron Man teaming up with not only War Machine, but also new characters called um, the Dynasty, who are Chinese superheroes who Matt Fraction created. Uh, as, as, as Tony Stark says here, they're, bas- they're basically a militarized Avengers created by the Chinese government, but they're very cool characters. We barely get to see them here. I'm kind of hoping we get to see more. Yeah. Teams up with War Machine and the Dynasty to take on the new Dreadnoughts. Uh, so it's just awesome armored machinery in the sky battle to uh, save the gorgeous dam. Pronouncing that correctly? Probably not. The Three Gorges Dam. Yeah, I am. I thought you were saying gorgeous, like it's a very pretty dam. dam. It's a lovely dam in China. But yeah, uh, you've got that on one hand, but you've also got subplots with Detroit Steel, subplots with Stark Resilient. You've got the tension. Oh yeah, go on. I got kind of psyched when that destroyed uh, that Detroit Steel page. Yeah, that's really cool. I was like, oh snap! Right? Because like you want to root for the dude because he totally got like backstabbed by. Still got jobbed. Yeah, he totally got jobbed. During Fear itself, he basically got abandoned in Paris, and yeah. now he is he is making his way back to uh, the United States, as yep. he says in this issue. He says, Detroit Steel is coming home. So I love what it. happens with him. Psyched. Uh, you get this weird tension with Ezekiel Stane and the Mandarin, where Ezekiel Stane went to work for the Mandarin, being like, oh, you're Tony Stark's greatest nemesis. I want to kill Tony Stark. Bing, bang, boom. This is going to be perfect. And now he's discovering the Mandarin is not the best guy to work for. Uh, so he's kind of rebelling against him a little bit, but Mandarin makes that very difficult. So we've got tension with the villains. Uh, we've got tension with the heroes because after War Machine helps Iron Man out, he drops a bombshell on him. Not a literal bombshell, which War Machine could do, but a figurative bombshell on his why he's there in China in the first place. And then kind of the coup de grace. Coup de gras. Coup de gras. It's spelled coup de grace. It is. Coup de grace is that after Tony has figured out what's going on here, because so much bad stuff's been happening to him, he's starting to see the Mandarin and Ezekiel Stane's uh, fingerprints. It's great two-page reveal at the end of basically every Iron Man rogue there is, completely redesigned and awesome-looking by Salvador LaRocca. If you've been following the book, you already know he redesigned Blizzard, redesigned Living Laser. On this page, we get to see his redesigns for about 10 more Iron Man villains, and these guys are all coming after Iron Man now. It's setting up some big stuff. Again, later in this... I keep wanting to say later in this hour, like they used to say on wrestling. But <laughs> <laughs> later in this show, when we get to the new section, we're going to talk more about what's coming up for Iron Man. But just a packed issue and really a nice showcase for Salvador LaRocca, La who he's just consistently, for, for over a decade now, just been bringing it. Yeah. Just get better and better all the time. And very cool stuff. I think we got the art for this last we page. Did. We did. Double page ago. spread a while ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember pouring over it. And I still look at Vibro and I'm like, I don't, I don't know who, don't know who, who that, that dude is. is. Yeah. I'm going to have to look that up after yeah. we get back. I know most of these guys. Yeah. I, I, the Iron Man villains are not the most well-known villains. I mean, it's usually just a bunch of guys in armor. Yeah. Um, which makes sense. 
but looking over here, I'm like, wow, some of these guys look really cool. I want to yeah. learn more about them. Um, like Firepower, because he just looks huge. <laughs> like, you got Titanium Man, who I know is huge, right here. Yeah. And then you've got Firepower, who's like three times as big as Titanium Man. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited about that. So good stuff from Iron Man, from Matt Fraction, Salvador Roca, who have been doing this book for going on four years now. Never stop. Just keep pumping it out. Nice. Doing a great job. New Avengers number 21 is out this week by Brian Michael Bendis, Mike Diodato, and great color art by Paul Mounts. In this issue, it's you've got the two Avengers books, and Ben talked about the you know the regular Avengers book, uh, the adjectiveless Avengers yes. book earlier, and in this one, you've got the other team, Luke Cage's team of Avengers, facing off against Ragnarok, right. the awful nigh unstoppable clone of Thor right. who we first saw in Civil War and had that great moment in Civil War where Hercules was oh, so yeah. angry and he smashed Ragnarok's head in yep. I remember reading that that issue for the first time I was like yes great. oh Hercules do it and then they they brought him back because he's basically just yeah. a, a clone slash android uh, right I mean that's yeah he's uh, he Reed Richards and Hank Pym I think Tony Stark created him. He's basically he's a he's a mix of yeah he's a things. combination of uh, mechanics and Thor DNA yeah Thor mm -hmm. DNA I was I was gonna say you know I, I don't think it was actually Hank Pym it was Skrull Hank Pym ah. who who helped create it there that so, jerk those darn Skrulls yeah they're still getting us <laughs> uh, but anyway in this issue you've got Ragnarok taking on this team of Avengers and he is almost Thor level in his power and he just knocks them, you know, way out, they just yeah. lightning bolts and crashes through them, but Wolverine gets to let loose right. like crazy in this issue, which I thought was great, because a lot of times Wolverine has his little bits of berserker rage mm -hmm. here and there, but in this, he's just full on, crazy, snarling, growling, claws out, slashing, cutting in, I mean, he slashes right into Ragnarok's arm, into yeah. his throat, blood everywhere, Diodato amounts go nuts on yeah. this issue. It's I, really great. I kind of like, not just Wolverine, but the whole Avengers team, they're so outclassed here because this is the less powerful Avengers team, yeah. is that they keep getting knocked down and they just keep coming. Yeah. Like, every time you think they're done, they'll send another person in there. So Spider-Man's whole function is he's basically catching the guys who get messed up and then throwing another yeah. Avenger at him. And it's kind of cool to see who, who ultimately kind of is able to have an effect on Ragnarok. I mean, Wolverine gives it his best, but Wolverine gets messed up yeah. pretty badly. But... He even comes back though. Yeah. But then you've got like Luke Cage thrown right at Ragnarok. Boom. Right. Then you've got Wolverine thrown right back at Ragnarok. Right. Boom. And then you've got uh, you've got what Iron actually Fist. nails yeah. him. Well, even there's the great part where Daredevil's like, you know, I think he he's like he wants to get into it. Mockingbird's like, throw me up there, throw me yeah. up there. I'm gonna. She can't. She there's no yeah. way she can she could even hurt Ragnarok. Well, she's but she's got, ready to go. She's got her super soldier powers now. Oh, that's right. So she actually might be able to do some damage. Yeah. Look at you underestimating Mockingbird. under estimating. Assestimating? Yeah. Anyway, there's a, a great interaction between Spidey and Iron Fist, where Spidey's he grabs Iron Fist and he says, fist him. Yeah. <laughs> and then Iron Fist has just got his fist out. He's ready to hit Ragnarok. And he says, hate when people say that. Yeah. He's just Which so Which you imagine would be true. Yeah. Iron Fist, it's a great moment for Iron Fist fans who, anyone who's read Immortal Iron Fist or all the great Iron Man, uh, Iron Fist comics in the past couple years knows he is a complete and utter badass and can yeah. beat pretty much anything. And he has his shining moment in a great splash page 
that, oh, yeah. really gorgeous. But essentially, in this issue, Norman Osborn has outplayed the New Avengers. He's doing his little chess game. He's working both, all these different angles, and it's all coming to a head. So in this, he's got his creepy new Dark Avengers. Yeah. And I like that the smartest person on the Dark Avengers is Scar. <laughs> Besides Norman Osborn, Scar's the... Like, it's just kind of these psychos being like, we should do this, we should do that, like just making all these bad decisions. And Norman just says, like, Scar. And Scar, <laughs> who's a Hulk, so he can talk down to these people, kind of says, here's why you're wrong. Other Dark Avengers. I'm, I'm from a different planet. Yeah, I'm from My a different planet. My dad is the Hulk. I am a giant. <laughs> I am. I am huge. Uh, it's just great. Yeah. Another great New Avengers issue, and I think the the saga, their battles against the Dark Avengers, happens over the next two issues. Yeah. So we're getting there, but it's it's, up. it's some brutal stuff. Mm-hmm. Also this week, Thunderbolts number one seventy by Jeff Parker and Kev Walker, where we've got the Thunderbolts, they've traveled back in time, they're doing all their crazy stuff, they're in Camelot. Camelot. And there's there's some really cool stuff with, what's his face, the super wizard, not Gandalf, the uh, the other guy, (laughs) not Dumbledore. Merlin? Merlin, yeah, yeah, you know, one of of those whizzy guys. Yeah. Come on, that was funny. That was very funny. Yeah, there's a dragon in this, which I love dragons, but you've got some great uh, Merlin stuff, and he sort of explains, like, he, he gets all of what's going on. He sees it, and he sort of understands it, yeah. and they screwed him over. The Thunderbolts made a big mistake, yeah. and it sort of plays into the history of everything. I thought it was it was they really just, yeah, they cleverly cool done. cool stuff with the actual, like, Arthurian uh, mythology here. Yeah. With Lancelot and Guinevere. And the the Wizzy stuff. Yeah, the Thunderbolts interacting with them. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're a fan of that, or if you had to read it in college... Because you want to get your English degree, um, it's kind of a nice, it's kind of a nice nod. Yeah, gorgeous art as always. Kev Walker, Terry Pallet, Frank Martin Jr. Um, yeah, really good art. Really, I mean, just they just nail it every bit good of it. Cover too by Joe Canones. It's John Tyler, John Tyler Christopher. Christopher. Him and Canones have been alternating, mm-hmm. um, and they both have great styles, and I love love the covers they're working on. But Someone yeah. on Twitter tweeted me, "Why is Domo on the cover to Thunderbolts 170?" And I'm like. I don't think Domo's not on it. Oh, I yeah, looked at it, but Troll totally looks like Domo. <laughs> you know, if you look at just the uh, being a mouth and a furry thing. Yep. But no, Troll is she's troll so is, great. Troll is Troll. She's one of my favorite characters Troll's on the team. Great. Another younger character. She's a little older than the other ones. Yeah, she's probably she's, like 17, 18. Yeah, but. but anyway, this issue, um, another great final page reveal mm-hmm. of and, and tease off the big storyline that's coming right. up in Thunderbolts, and we did some cool stuff with that. Thunderbolts versus Thunderbolts. Yep. That's all you got to say. Yeah. It's coming up. Let's jump over to, uh, as we said last week, Earth 1610. Well, that was a couple weeks ago that we established that. No, the Ultimate Universe. Wasn't that last week? We established that with Jordan. No, I think we did it the week before Jordan was. In. I remember because I was at home when we were recording it. We did it on Skype. Are you sure? I remember the moment. It was a beautiful moment. We'll agree uh, to disagree. <laughs> but yeah, over in the Ultimate Comics universe, Ultimate Comics X Men number seven, written by Nick Spencer, guest art this time around by Carlo Barberi. This kind of takes a sidestep from the main storyline and focuses on Quicksilver. Uh, tells his backstory what's been going on what's going on with him and his apparently resurrected sister the scarlet witch why a lot of what's going on in the ultimate comics universe two mutants is actually quicksilver's fault and kind of you know up to this point in ultimate comics x-men we've seen a very cocky very assured quicksilver and we get a little glimpse behind the facade this issue and see that not everything is as set for Quicksilver it is. And another big last page reveal that tees off big stuff. And this is another comic that has the 
uh, free digital copy offer in it. So again, if you pick up the print version of Ultimate Comics X-Men number seven, there is a sticker in the back that you can peel back and you can get a free digital copy of this comic. Uncanny X-Men number seven is also out this week. It's by Kieran Gillen, Greg Land. Uh, great ink work by Jay Lyston and great colors by Guru Effects. Uh, in this, you've got the X-Men teaming up with the Savage to take on the Ultimate Man. This is still in Tabula Rasa, that sort of super uh, evolved area of, I think it's Montana, I believe. Yeah, Montana, boom, up there on the memory banks. But you've got this, this whole thing going on. It's really, it's actually a totally sad story because of the the circumstances surrounding why the savage and the immortal man are the the last of their race left and how they're connected and what it all what their conflict is all about and it's just it's total bummer but uh the x-men sort of work with the savage to temporarily defeat the immortal man but that leads to a lot of a lot bigger problems another great issue of uncanny x-men if you were listening last week you'll know that the the language that the Savage and the Immortal Man speak natively, they, they speak in, in musical notes, and right. uh, that's all created by editor Nick Lowe. Right. Very cool. Editor and pop artist. Anyway. Nick Lowe. Don't confuse the people. If they know their stuff, they won't be confused. <laughs> Venom Circle of Four continues into part three uh, in Venom number 13.2. This is written by Rob Williams and drawn by Sana Takeda. Uh, a lot of the focus falls on X-23, this issue, um, and as she interacts with Blackheart and as well with her antithesis, um, the antitheses, I believe is the plural, I hope, were created. Nancy, what this, is it? Yeah. What's the plural of antithesis? Putting you on the spot. Come on. I don't know. Mm. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's antitheses, and if not, someone can tweet us with the correct answer, um, which won't matter because we won't be able to pronounce it. <laughs> um, but anyways, the antitheses are basically doppelgangers of X-23, Ghost Rider, Red Hulk, and Venom that were created by Blackheart earlier in the storyline. They represent kind of the worst parts of them, but also their strongest parts. Um, they're designed basically to scare the heck out of the heroes and kind of weaken them. Uh, X-23 debates with hers a lot here. It's really actually some very sad stuff, kind of crushing stuff for her. She deals with Blackheart. And meanwhile, the rest of the heroes involved here, Venom, Ghost Rider, Red Hulk, uh, they go up against their own antitheses, and it's one of the more brutal battles uh, I've seen in in Marvel in a little bit. Like some really gruesome stuff happens to all of them, but it's also really cool. Kind of really cements Venom and Red Hulk in particular as the heroes they're trying to be. Um, so if you've been following this storyline, it's been a fun storyline so far. It's, it's got a lot for everyone. I like Rob Williams' voice fits in nicely with uh, what Rick Remender's been doing, what Jeff Parker's been doing. Um, some really it, it, it's a very interesting issue for Sonic Takeda on art because this is not usually, it's a lot of characters and stuff she's not typically associated with, and it, it's kind of cool to see her takes. And also, most importantly, uh, Damien Hel Hellstrom makes an appearance, so that's key. He's in there with Doctor Strange kind of teaming up to uh, try to, he, he makes a cameo, but any Son of Satan appearance is noteworthy. It's a good one. It's noteworthy. Winter Soldier number two, also out this week, continuing this inaugural Winter Soldier story that has Bucky and Black Widow tracking down the other sleeper agents that Bucky trained when he was the Winter Soldier back in the day. Um, they are now being unleashed by the Red Ghost. Um, Our boy. Great classic villain. Um, he is working with 
Lucia von Bardis from Secret War, the Brian Michael Bendis, Gabriel Del Otto story. And they're screwing with America. They're screwing with Dr. Doom. And they are they're, they're trying to utilize these sleeper agents who Bucky is starting to remember more and more about. So that's kind of some cool stuff unfolding. But it's a lot of just action with Bucky and Black Widow against one of Red Ghost's apes who has a machine gun. And this prompts from Bucky's uh, internal monologue, my favorite line in any comic this week, which was, and then there are the times you end up pinned down by a gorilla with a 50 caliber machine gun. It's going to happen. There was no fire line in comics for me this week. Um, talked about it last issue. Butch Geis's art is off the charts here. Betty Brightweiser's colors are adding so much. This is a beautifully drawn book, and it's a really cool, different thing going on. You know, in the vein of a lot of Ed Brubaker's Captain America stuff, but Brubaker's really gone in another direction here with Winter Soldier. You can tell he's really letting loose and having fun. I'm enjoying it. Wolverine 301. And uh, this is there's a lot going on in this issue. Jason Aaron's a writer. Billy Tan and Jason Keith take part of the art. Steve Sanders and uh, Soto Color take other parts of the art. But it's really, it's Wolverine in the middle of a giant battle that includes Silver Samurai, his adopted daughter, uh, Amiko, or is it Yuki? Yukio is... Yukio is the, the, his old fling. Amiko his, right. is his adopted daughter. Yep. And this is a new Silver Samurai, who's the son of the original dead Silver Samurai. Exactly. Yes. And then you have Yakuza, and you have ninjas, and it's just... All out, oh yeah, and Sabretooth. All out crazy action in the mighty Marvel manner. <laughs> it's really terrific. You've got, there's just great Wolverine moments, which, you know, for me, that is what Jason Aaron has really done. He's he's made Wolverine just this incredible character, this many-layered character, yeah. uh, more so than I ever ever felt before. Um, but he's got a great interaction with, uh, with this, like... Um, undercover ninja dude that oh, he knows. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> and they have this this epic battle where they yeah. don't move. Or, well, they move, but there's just... I don't know. You, you gotta, gotta read you it. You gotta to, read it yeah. to see. But it, it all ends up where the all these crazy battles go down and it sets up an even crazier battle for Wolverine coming up. Yeah. They have to go rescue uh, the new Silver Samurai kid and some, some badass stuff. I love what Jason Aaron's doing with Amiko. It was kind of just a blank... I mean, for years, she was just this this... Japanese girl that lost her parents, so Wolverine took her under her wing, his wing, and she would show up occasionally. She wouldn't get many lines. It's just basically, hey, Wolverine has a daughter. And now here, she's a little more grown up. She's got some spunk. She's got some attitude. She's clearly got some of her adopted father in her. And yet another great young character yeah. that is a lot of fun. Same with the Silver Samurai. The new Silver Samurai is basically just this, uh, you know, he kind of takes his father's sense of honor, sense of duty, but he mixes it with this futuristic attitude as far as his tech and how he does oh, yeah. things and he obviously you know he's Wolverine's adopted daughter's boyfriend and him and Wolverine do not get along <laughs> as you would expect them not to so yeah. a lot of fun new characters in this book Wolverine's had a lot of kids dude's sure been has. around sure has Dokken Amiko all those ones he killed earlier in yeah. this book great issue yeah Finally, I think this is our last book of the week. Yep, X Factor number two thirty-two. We're coming towards the end of the. Uh, is this the end? Is this the end? Yeah. The last chapter. The last chapter of they keep killing Madrox. Um, 
Jamie Madrox has been porting from dimension to dimension after being killed in uh, 616. Right. And he's interacting with all these different characters in this one. He's interacting with Dormammu, uh, who in this universe where he's in to start, he's apparently been basically the Sorcerer Supreme's apprentice. Yeah. And he's incredibly powerful. Yes. So powerful that he's able to uh, defeat Dormammu with the help of the Sorcerer Supreme, who works with him to inhabit his body and get some crazy magic going on. I love dimension hopping stories. I love alternate universes. And, well, I don't love seeing Jamie Madrox killed. And yeah. that happens yet again in this issue. Well, but I think the, the title of the storyline should probably have tipped you off. I know. That's what was going on. It's fine. It's right up front. But there's there's a really, there's some great touching There's moments. a hot and heavy scene at the end. Just yes. Just come out and say it, man. It is hot and heavy. Yeah. Intense romance. Totally romantic. In the Mighty Marvel Manor. Just like <laughs> that fight yeah. a few minutes ago. <laughs> great work by Peter David and Emanuela Lupacino. Really like the art in this issue, actually. She Loved it. Seriously, she should be doing 80 books for us every month. Probably wouldn't the art probably would not be as strong. I don't care if it was spread. She's so good. Just saying. She's incredible. Okay. Uh, but the, there's a big twist at the end where yeah. some of the characters who have been in this storyline, some of the big evils that Madrox has fought and been killed by, they are not done. They are not done by a long shot. Right. The next issue, next factor, we get to Madrox is back and we get to see how he reacts to Havoc and Polaris being back. So I'm pretty excited. Because it was like two issues ago, they did that last page of Havoc and Polaris being back, and then cut to this great Madrox story, which I love, but I've been kind of like, oh man, I want to see what's going to happen when yeah. the whole team's back together. So, now we're there, but it was, it was a nice way to get there. And as always, there's a great recap yep. page and by, with some text by Peter David where he recaps the story mm-hmm. and then recaps a little bit of his life, his real life, which is great. So he, he gives a little shout out, and we'll do as well, to uh, Peter David is on Twitter at... Yeah. at Peter David underscore P-A-D. Yes. So. Very cool. And that is all the new print comics on sale, which means it is time for us to select our Twim of the Week. I got to say, both the uh, Spider-Man titles did a lot for me this week. Amazing Spider-Man and Avenging Spider-Man. Those are right at the top of my list. Yeah, I think I, I would go with uh, Amazing, probably, just yeah. by, a, by a hair's breadth. Yes, it was a very narrow margin, but it was a really good, you know, the point one issue was a nice jumping on point, and uh, again, Watu Jackson, another great character find. So yeah, I would say Amazing Spider-Man edges out, Avenging Spider-Man barely, Steve Wacker defeats Steve Wacker in this Titanic battle. The only person who can defeat Steve Wacker is himself. Right. Good week. Good week for comics. Alright, so for all those books we talked about, here are the books that are also available digitally on the Marvel Comics app. Amazing Spider-Man 679.1, Avenging Spider-Man number 4, Daredevil number 9, Fear Itself, The Fearless number 9, Formic Wars, Silent Strike number 3, Generation Hope number 16, Thunderbolts number 170, Ultimate Comics X-Men number 7, Uncanny X-Men number 7, Venom number 13.2, Winter Soldier number 2, Wolverine number 301 and X Factor number 232. That's almost the entire yeah, so list. Getting closer and closer to yeah. when we're going to have all our comics available digitally. And That's in April. We'll jump back to digital comics in a sec. But first, the print collections on sale this week. We have Astonishing X Men by Joss Whedon and John Cassidy, Ultimate Collection Book 1. We have Daredevil Reborn in trade paperback. Essential Hulk Volume 1 is back in trade paperback. Fear Itself, Deadpool, Fearsome 4, premiere hardcover, collecting those two limited series. 
Marvel Zombie Supreme trade paperback. The Return of Jack of Hearts. Jack of Hearts. We did discussed. it. Yeah, we did he's it. back. Spider-Man Spider Island Companion hardcover with a bunch of the tie-ins. The Avengers Omnibus hardcover, which is a lot of the work by Brian Bendis and other in recent years to kind of get jazzed for the upcoming movie release. Jazz hands, guys. <laughs> the Stand, The Night Has Come, out in premiere hardcover. Ultimate Comics Spider-Man by Brian Michael Bendis, Volume 1, premiere hardcover. It's the first arc of the uh, new series. Uncanny X-Force Volume 2, Deathlock Nation, which is a great, so good. great story oh, God. by Asad Ribic. I want to set it on fire. It's so good. <laughs> That's out in trade paperback. Vengeance by Joe Casey and Dick Grota is out in hardcover. X-Factor, Super Unnatural premiered hardcover. Great title. And X-Force Necrotia is out in trade paperback. So those are the print trades. Uh, before we get to the single issues, here are the collections available on the Marvel app. So these are digital. Amazing Spider-Man Masterworks, Volume 1, which is classic uh, Stanley and Steve Ditko stuff, must-haves. Avengers Assemble, Volume 1. Civil War, Frontline, Volume 2. Ghost Rider, Volume 2, The Life and Death of Johnny Blaze. Wolverine, Enemy of the State. Love that story. Yeah. Amazing Johnny Jr. art. And then X-Men, Phoenix, and Song. And meanwhile, also on the app, in addition to the day and date digital comics and the collections, we have some of our older comics that we've just released to the Marvel app, Marvel Comics app. Uh, we have issues number 56 through 65 of the 1998 Daredevil series. Which it's a great is, run. Yep, Brian Bendis and Alex Maleev kind of concluding their run. We have all six issues of Ghost Rider Heavens on Fire, which was Jason Aaron's final Ghost Rider story and was awesome. Uh, we have Marvel's The Avengers Prelude, Fury's Big Week, issue number two, which is leading into, once again, Marvel's The Avengers. Issues number 51, 52, 53, and 54 of the previous New Avengers series. Ultimate Spider-Man, number 123 through 128. And then Uncanny X-Men, number 526 through 529. That was a lot of comics, guys. It's true. But it doesn't end there. No. no. Because, as we know, Marvel Comics app is not the only way you can get your comics digitally. You can also visit marvel.com and go to Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. And we have a selection of freshly digitized comics just released this week. That includes Marvel Adventure Spider-Man 16 through 19. New Mutants, the current series, 25 through 29, which you have to read those. Oh, yeah, good I, stuff. I'm not even saying, oh, you should. No, you yeah. have to read those. That is the kickoff to Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning's current ongoing uh, run on New Mutants. And we should also note that Andy Lanning also joined Twitter this week. Uh, very new, very fresh-faced British punk. Um, that's at Andy Lanning, if you want to follow him. Um, and we also have out... <laughs> on Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited, Avengers number 11 from the current series, Avengers The Children's Crusade, Young Avengers number 1, issues number 10 and 11 of Avengers Academy, and issue number 4 of the most recent Power Man and Iron Fist Limited series. And uh, just out today, if we're putting this up on Thursday, is Astonishing Thor number 3, Hulk issues number 32 and 33 from the Red Hulk series by Jeff Parker, Thunderstrike number five from that recent miniseries, and Wolverine Hercules, Myths, Monsters, and Mutants number one. And then coming tomorrow will be Fear Itself, Book of the Skull number one, and issues 34 through 37 of the previously mentioned Hulk series. So a lot of folks always ask, oh, will Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited bring me up to speed on all the books? And you're getting 
tossed right into very, you know, very close to what we're currently putting out. Like, especially New Mutants, number mm -hmm. 29 is available, Digital Comics Unlimited. You're, you're so close. Yes. You can catch up so easily now. Yeah, very close on, on Hulk as well. Yeah. A um, few more issues to go on that. But, yeah, a lot of the books are getting very close. And, you know, we're making every effort to catch people up as best we can if you're a Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited subscriber. Yep. All right, so right now we're going to kick it to Strami, who's going to give us some information on all kinds of stuff that he feels. Hollywood, Mark Strong. Good morning, evening, mid-afternoon, midnight slightly later than you should be going to bed at. Uh, afternoon, midday, this week in Marvel listeners. This is uh, Marvel.com assistant editor Mark Stramistram here uh, coming at you from Los Angeles, which is um, cold right now and disturbing. Uh, I don't like the cold. If I wanted the cold, I would have stayed in Minnesota. Um, but that is neither here nor there. I am here to tell you about what is on TV, in theaters, uh, etc., etc., this week in Marvel. Um, first up, of course, our uh, big thing this week is Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Hits theaters uh, this Friday, February 17th. I've seen it. It's awesome. It was exactly everything I was hoping for. Nick Cage is ridiculously insane and awesome in it. The Ghost Rider himself is incredible. Uh, the special effects on him are just amazing. He's got, uh, you know, if you look closely, you can see, like, on his other jacket, like, these little, like, tar bubbles, like, popping up and everything. Um, and Nick Cage himself actually, uh, unlike the first Ghost Rider film, in this one, Nick Cage plays the Ghost Rider in that, you know, they, uh, uh, I don't know, did something with his face so that they could, you know, digitally replace it with a flaming skull. But physically, it's it's him. And he developed this whole physicality to the writer that's really kind of insane and unnerving and terrifying in that, you know, the Ghost Rider is not meant to be your friendly neighborhood superhero that you want to run up and hug and, like, you know, leave your child with so that they can babysit while you run and get groceries. I don't know what superhero, actually, you would want to leave your child with while you run and get groceries to babysit. Spider-Man, maybe, I guess. He'd be a pretty good babysitter, but not the Ghost Rider. This whole thing is he'll suck the soul out of you and, uh, uh Nick Cage really brings that, uh, you know, just with his simple movements uh, and, and the way he sort of takes possession of the Ghost Rider's body and everything. Anyway, it's awesome. Apart from that, you've got Idris Elba, who played Heimdall in Thor, actually. Uh, he's in this as well. He plays an alcoholic French monk named Moreau, who sort of teams up with the Ghost Rider or, uh, you know, offers the Ghost Rider a deal. He's just wonderfully insane as well. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's by, directed by Mark Nevaldine and uh, Brian Taylor, who are the guys who brought you uh, the Crank movies. If you've seen any of their previous movies, it's exactly what you would expect from them. Uh, it's 
got crazy action. Um, it's shot in incredibly unique style, and that's another thing that's worth noting. You know, one thing that I didn't really fully uh, realize just just from watching the trailers was just how uh, gorgeous this movie would actually be because they shot it over in, on location in Eastern Europe. Uh, the film takes place there, and they shot on location there. Uh, they shot in Romania. They shot in Turkey. Um, they may have shot in one other country. I'm forgetting now. But it's gorgeous. The landscapes are gorgeous. Um, there's uh, one part where they, they went to in this mountain range where these people, you know, I don't know how long ago, centuries, thousands of years ago, they used to live there, but they carved, like, their houses and their dwellings and their, their you know, I don't know, courthouses, their marketplaces, they carved them into the mountains. And they, and they actually go there. And, and you know, there's an entire segment in the film that takes place there. It's, it's an incredibly unique setting, uh, certainly unlike any saying I've seen for a superhero movie, but also very unique just, you know, in terms of action movies. You know, I can't remember the last time I saw an action movie that was set in this type of Eastern European uh, uh, locale. Um, so it's very visually interesting. Uh, I should also mention Siren Hines, a very incredibly talented actor. He plays uh, the devil in this movie, and he is, you know, he also very much brings that same intensity, that same, that same level of just lunacy to it. It's incredible. Uh, also, Johnny Whitworth, who plays Blackout. You know, same thing with him. They're all, it's just, I loved all the performances. Um, loved the movie itself. You know, just go in, go with it, enjoy it. You'll get to see Ghost Rider sucking souls out of evil people left and right. Yes, thoroughly enjoyable. Highly recommended. Uh, go check it out. Apart from that, we also have a new episode of the Blade anime series coming up uh, this Friday as well. This, of course, as always, is on G4 at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, this would be episode six, so uh, we are already halfway through uh, the Blade series. This week, I believe Blade is in Indonesia, and he runs into, you know, he's been fighting a lot of very interesting uh, types of vampires. Uh, there were the uh, women who transformed into, you know, those uh, strange bird vampire creatures. I'm not quite sure how I explain it. And, you know, he's encountered a number of other kinds, but this week he runs into a much more, uh, well, vampire, like, Western audiences are much, you know, more used to a vampire who's sort of a, a I like to call him a royal breed of vampire. Um, he's very clearly, you know, Western European, uh, more traditional, more sort of in that uh, Dracula-type vein. Um, and you get to find out a little bit more about sort of... Uh, you know, the world of the vampires in this series and, and sort of um, the politics, I guess, of the different vampires. Um, 
and uh, uh, yeah, so it's very interesting. You should check it out. Um, and of course, after that, at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, we are still uh, re-airing the Wolverine anime series that first premiered um, about four months ago or so ago now, four or five months ago. And uh, yeah, so if you missed it, if you missed it the first time around, you can check it out now. Uh, if you caught the first time, you can check it out again. Uh, that will be airing at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time on uh, G4 immediately following Blade. Also on TV, uh, not this week per se, but this upcoming Monday, uh, we've been running some peaks at a special two-part castle event on ABC. And the reason is, if you'll remember, in the later part of last year, we released the Castle graphic novel that was by written by uh, Brian Michael Bendis and uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick and drawn, uh, I believe, by Lan Medina. And that graphic novel was, quote-unquote, adaptation of a uh, Derek Storm novel, the, the series of novels that the uh, protagonist of Castle Richard Castle uh, writes. In that graphic novel, you met a character named Clara Strike. Now, in Castle, uh, part one aired this past Monday, part two aired, airs this upcoming Monday, you get to meet the uh, character in Castle's life that he based Clara Strike on. Uh, it's this woman named Sophia Turner, played by Jennifer Beals. Um, and yeah, so uh, you get to sort of uh, see that connection to the graphic novel and if you tune in to this Monday's episode uh, which is at 10:9 central on ABC uh, you may get uh, an extra little connection to the uh, castle graphic novel that came out this past year so you should tune in for that and over in games, uh, in the world of Superhero Squad Online, well, which you can play at HeroUp.com, uh, Daredevil isn't, well, Daredevil has been playable in the game, but they've just released a uh, new Daredevil character, which is Daredevil, but in his classic yellow and red costume, which has always been a uh, personal favorite design of mine. Uh, I mean, I love, you know, the traditional red costume, of course, because it's so classic and iconic. But classic Daredevil, you know, that original red and yellow costume has always had to, held a very special place in my heart. Uh, I just love, you know, uh, the design of it, and uh, it's, it's just, yeah, it's very, very uh, unique and stands out. And he is now playable in the game. Um, as always, I, you know, I like to tell people uh, it's free to play. Uh, you can go in and just, just give it a shot. Just go to HeroUp.com, give it a shot. Um, I know, you know, some people think, oh, Superhero Squad, you know, I'm just not interested in that. You know, it's, it's more of a kid's thing. It's not. It's actually a ton of fun. Um, you know, you can play it with your kids. Um, you can play it by yourself. You know, uh, uh, I obviously have no children and, uh, you know, we're just probably a, a good thing uh for you know their part because i'd be afraid for uh anyone who would have to be my child but um i've played it it's great 
you know, you just get sucked into it. It's a ton of fun. Um, yeah, so just go to HeroUp.com, uh, check it out. And that pretty much covers everything that we've got this week in uh, film, TV, and games. And with that, I send you back to Mr. Panagos and Morse. Thanks, Drami. I think it's time now for us to talk about news. Ben, why don't mm-hmm. you start us off? Mm-hmm. We kick off with uh, an unfortunate note. Um, we lost one of the great Marvel and just comics industry creators this week, uh, John Severin, who is a classic artist who's known for his work on Sergeant Fury and the Howling Commandos on a lot of Marvel Western books. Just recently worked on Rawhide Kid, an issue of Punisher only a couple years ago, so still very active. Just one of the one of the all-time greats. Um, and... We did a piece on Marvel.com remembering him, and we certainly, you know, wish his family and friends the best. Um, but just a great creator, great artist. Uh, in other news this week in the world of comics, we are holding another in our series of Marvel Next Big Thing live blogs. Uh, we had them on Monday, Wednesday, and again today on Thursday. We will have another one tomorrow on Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern time, so there's still time to go sign up for that. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, so I can only tell you what we've covered on Monday and Wednesday, but on Monday we had uh, Andy Lanning and Kieran Gillen on to talk about the upcoming New Mutants Journey into Mystery crossover Exile, which I am super excited about, and I know you are as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then today, Wednesday, we announced that our buddy Sam Humphreys is coming on to help Jonathan Hickman write Ultimate Comics Ultimates. Sam, so Sam, 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 Sam. <laughs> that's pretty exciting. He's a good dude. Uh, we've also been doing something called A Week of Hope, which is a series of articles focused on Hope Summers of Generation Hope fame as we get ready for Avengers vs. X-Men, specifically for Avengers vs. X-Men number zero, which is coming at the end of March. Uh, so we did a profile of Hope. We spoke to creators who have worked on her recently, Kieran Gillen and James Asmus. I had a great Q&A with them on Tuesday where they really went into depth on their thoughts on the character. Uh, we released some unlimited highlights, so digital comics related to Hope, and we've also got some more fun stuff coming up with Hope as we end the week. Uh, we reveal on Monday, I mentioned this earlier, uh, a new story coming to Invincible Iron Man after Demon concludes called, well, it's not called, it's, it, the tagline is Iron Man No More. The actual title of the story is A Long Way Down. Some pretty big stuff ahead for Iron Man, if you can guess by the tagline Iron Man No More. It's a big change coming there, and as Matt Fraction said when spoke to him on Monday, basically this is his, as he called it, his grand finale, his third act. This is where all the stuff he's been working on since Invincible Iron Man number one comes to a head. So check that out and take a first look at some of that art. We recapped the Wolverine and the X-Men Twitter live tweet that went on last week. Uh, we posted a full transcript of that so you can see the Biology 101 lesson that was taught on Twitter. Um, we kind of concluded all our Avengers Assemble coverage, uh, getting ready through the Avengers Assemble ongoing series, and we also debuted some art from that. And then in AVX News, we launched a new video series, which we're all pretty excited about, called Battle Center. Uh, it stars Jesse Falcon and Janine Schaefer as they break down the key matchups of Avengers vs. X-Men. It's a lot of fun. We hope you check it out. And to tie back to when we were talking about Generation Hope earlier, we spoke with Christos Gage about ABX coming to Avengers Academy, which is going to feature quite a few cast members from Generation Hope and from other X-Men titles. Um, some really cool plans for Avengers Academy, just consistently good book, as they go into ABX, so check that out. 
Cool. On my front, uh, in addition to Battle Center, we have a new episode of The Watcher coming. We actually launched our teaser episode of The Launcher with host Lorraine Sink on Monday. And the first new episode that we've had in a while will be up on Friday, February 17th on Marvel's YouTube channel on Marvel.com. We'll put the links out there on Facebook and Twitter as well. Um, I'm, I'm excited for it. It's been a long time coming. We've been working with uh, Lorraine to get this all on the up and up and make it sure it's cool and fun and different. And, and I think it's going to be great. I hope you guys like it. Uh, you know, obviously, send us your comments and questions and comment in the YouTube when it goes up. But, uh, yeah, we, we want it to be an awesome show that gives you guys something a little different. That's news, comedy, fun stuff all together. Also this week, I went to Toy Fair. So I mentioned that earlier in the show. We went to Toy Fair. First, we visited the Hasbro showroom. At Hasbro, we got to see the three-foot-long Avengers Helicarrier. That's in scale with their three-and-three-quarter-inch Marvel Universe line. So there's a bunch of Marvel's The Avengers action figures and Avengers sort of classic-style action figures. They all work with the Helicarrier. In addition to the Helicarrier, there are other uh, vehicles and playsets for the Avengers. They all look really great. We saw a lot of great Spider-Man toys, some stuff that's tied to the Amazing Spider-Man movie that's coming out on July 3rd. We saw uh, tons more Avengers stuff, including new Hulk hands. I can't remember what they're exactly called. They're a little bit smaller. They're more detailed. They don't have the uh, electronic sounds that the original Hulk hands did, but they're really great. Uh, I was holding on to them yesterday. They had these little handles inside. Loved them. There's also a Hawkeye uh, bow, bow and arrow set. That is a mix between what Hasbro proper does and some Nerf technology. That was great. I shot an arrow at a TV <laughs> accidentally while we were there. Thankfully, it's Nerf, so it didn't damage the TV or anyone <laughs> in the room. Uh, we saw all those. Th those Been were great. there. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, what else did we see? We saw this new line of Hasbro toys. Nancy, do you remember what they were called? Bonkazonks. Oh, that was so cool. There you go. See, Nancy, her face lit up. Bonkazonks are these little toys that uh, it's a game. There's a, an, a component that lets you play online, and there's it, it's like collectible. You have to smash the other figures. They included a bunch of new characters that they've Hasbro has never made anything for, including Jackal and. Others, I know there's a Thanos one, there's a MODOK one. Those are the only two that I really care about because I want those. I need to steal them from someone uh, if I can't get them myself. They're blind, sort of like blind bags. The really cool little collectible slash game. Uh, I think, you know, fans are going to dig those. We also saw tons more of the Marvel 3 and 3 quarter inch universe line as well as more Marvel Legends. Um, and the Marvel Legends, we saw something really cool with the Marvel Legends. So there's some Wrecking Crew figures that they're doing. They're doing pile driver and uh, Thunderball. And you know, love is kinda like a pile driver. Anyway, they're doing those figures and they they have this cool thing where they're they're builder figures. They're builder figure for Arnim Zola. But if you buy, you know, pile driver, you get the chess piece and the one version of the Thunderball and Pile Driver, you can buy them both. They both include a chess piece, but the chess piece is different for each. One features Red Skull's face in it when he inhabited the uh, the Arnim Zola body. The other one features the, the classic face. And there are other figures that one features a different color head top, uh, the, the light that's on the top of Arnim Zola's head. The little features like that were really cool. The art for the entire Legends line that they showed us is done by Ed McGinnis. 
and they, they all look great. We're going to show all those on Marvel.com soon. Hasbro's just got some really cool stuff on the way. In addition to Hasbro, we stopped by Diamond Select Toys, saw tons of cool stuff for their Marvel Select line. I even got to see the mystery uh, figure that they weren't showing anyone else, mm. but they, they, they showed it to me. It, was, it looks really great. It's an Avengers toy. Uh, we saw a bunch of amazing Spider-Man movie figures, Minimates. I got to hold the MODOK Marvel vs. Capcom 3 Minimate, which mm. is just the best. Really great stuff there. It's a good point to note that we've, uh, Diamond Select Toys, great, one of our favorite partners to work with, um, Zach Oat over there is fantastic, and we've been getting a lot more frequent updates on Diamond Select's releases, and we've been posting them on Marvel.com, so it would be a while we would do periodic Diamond Select updates, but we're doing them like twice a week now, thanks to Zach helping us out with that, yeah. so if you're a toy fan, definitely stay tuned to Marvel.com for that stuff. Yeah, tons more. What else did we see? We went to... Mega Blocks. We saw a bunch of the cool things that Mega Brands is doing for the Avengers and um, Amazing Spider-Man. They have some cool 3D puzzles for the Avengers, and they have these playsets and, and building blocks for the Amazing Spider-Man film. We also saw some really cool stuff at Kotobukiya, some new statues, some Bishojo statues, which looked great. Judy Stevens, our photographer, she was just basically drooling at all the, the statues. She was like, I want them all. She was sort of cackling like Good a witch. It was, it was great, yeah. I know. I, I've spent a lot of time with her as yeah. we go to conventions and stuff, so I'm, I'm pretty in tune. It's pretty spot on. Yep. And finally, we went to Lego, which is brand new for us. We've, we're about to release the first series of various Legos. Right. I'm, I'm incredibly excited. I play with Legos all the time as a kid. I do all the time. Yeah. yeah. Love uh, building stuff with them. They're fantastic. So we have... Marvel's The Avengers Lego sets and minifigures. Which we have up on the site right now. Yep, we Check took out. those and we world premiered those. I got up at 6.45 Sunday morning to post the photos and the news story. And that went everywhere except for a bunch of sites that didn't credit us Ooh, with them. But, hiss. you know, that's going to happen. Yep. Because they're jerks. Yep. I know, I think Collider didn't credit us with them, which really bummed me out because I've, I've, I know Frosty from, we yeah. went to a set visit once. Anyway... Not going to get into that, but we uh, we saw all those. We saw some other sets, some X Men. The Deadpool Lego minifigure is just oh, yeah. incredibly cute. I just I almost stole it. Hmm? I didn't. I almost did. You could open his little backpack. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't open his backpack. Yeah, oh, for those of you who are out there who didn't like the Iron Man figure, the minifigure. I know some people said his head was too big, but his actually his head, the helmet comes up. And it, you can you can show Tony's face in it, which I thought was a really cool little feature to to that figure. And of course, there's a Loki minifigure, which is he was made to rule us. Mm-hmm. So that's that. Great stuff, Toy Fair all around. Nancy and Carrie, our interns, are putting together all the reports from Toy Fair. They're gathering all the photos that Judy shot and all the products shots that were given to us by the licensees. It's really really great stuff. And if anyone can, on Twitter, can name where my love is like a pile driver reference came from, we will give you five twin points this upcoming week. That's the thing we're doing now? Yeah. Twin points. I just came up with it. Nice. On the spot. Very good. Yep. All right. Finally, uh, we've got more news from Stromy. Stromy, take it away. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, this is Mark Stromystrom, Marvel.com assistant editor once again, here to bring you the latest on Marvel movies, TV, and games news. Um, first up in movies, we talked about you know Ghost Rider, obviously. 
uh, in in the earlier bit, uh, which will be in theaters this Friday. But on Marvel.com, we've been posting a lot of really great Ghost Rider-related content. On Wednesday of this week, we posted an interview uh, with the directors, Mark Neveldine and Brian Taylor, in which they talked about, you know, filming on location over in Eastern Europe, working with Nicolas Cage, working with Idris Elba, um, you know, their history with comics. Um, it's a great read. Uh, if you go to marvel.com right now, uh, you should be able to uh, find it. Um, you know, we've also been posting image galleries uh, with all the uh, released images from the film uh, video gallery with the two trailers in it. Uh, and we've also been looking back at sort of, uh, you know, some classic Daredevil, or Daredevil, Ghost Rider runs. Um, including uh, a really great piece by a writer of ours, T.J. Deitch, called uh, The Best of the Best of Jason Aaron's Ghost Rider, which, you know, includes uh, such superlatives as best use of a scythe and, um, you know, coolest redesign, uh, best collection of villains, um, and looks back at Jason Aaron's run, uh, which is probably... Uh, his run on Ghost Rider is probably one of my favorite Marvel comics of all time. Uh, it's really incredible. If you haven't read it, you know, and if you're interested in more Ghost Rider, I highly recommend going on and checking it out. Today will also be, well, today as I record this uh, on Thursday, we will also be posting uh, the top, our top five favorite moments from the Ghost Rider uh, trailers as well as some video interviews uh, that our new host of The Watcher, Lorraine Sink, did with um, some of the stars of the film, including Nicolas Cage, Idris Elba, and I believe uh, Johnny Whitworth, who plays the villain Blackout in the film. So yeah, you know, come to Marvel.com, check out all our great Ghost Rider content. Um, in TV news, as part of our celebration, because on Facebook, uh, we reached, you know, three million fans, and we'll be rolling out, you know, new content uh, all Thursday, um, exclusive to our to our Facebook page. And as part of that, we're bringing you uh, the first two released screenshots from the Avengers: Earth's Mightiest Heroes season two. Uh, both are from the season premiere, which airs on April 1st on Disney XD as part of the launch of the Marvel Universe programming block. You can check them out right now on Facebook, uh, on you know on Marvel's Facebook page. Um, the two screenshots, you know, reveal uh, the Fantastic Four from the series, or rather, you know, we've seen some of the Fantastic Four in season one. You get to see them again, uh, and a little hint at uh, maybe a little uh, Doctor Doom coming up in uh, the season premiere. And um, that pretty much covers TV news for this week. Over in games, uh, we've got a few things. Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 will be coming out for the PlayStation Vita next Wednesday, February 22nd. We've got a new gameplay video along with a 10 new screenshots from the game on the PlayStation Vita. Um, in, the, in the gameplay video, you get to see uh, Deadpool, Doctor Strange, Phoenix Wright, Chun 
finally, you can you can see them go at it, see which team reigns supreme, um, and yeah, be sure to pick up uh, Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 for the PS Vita on February 22nd. Again, as part of our 3 million fan celebration on Facebook, we revealed that uh, Cyclops will be a playable character in the Marvel Heroes MMO. Um, we revealed, you know, the first art for him. He looks great. I'm very excited. I'm a huge fan of Cyclops, uh, particularly in the past uh, 10 years. Um, ever since, you know, really uh, Grant Morrison and, and Joss Whedon really uh, uh, sort of redefined his character and then Matt Fraction, you know, ran with it and Kieran Gillen is currently sort of shepherding him in the pages of Uncanny X-Men. Um, There's an unrelated tangent, but... Cyclops playable in Marvel Heroes. Yeah, and you can get your first look right now on our Facebook page. And finally, we brought you a couple of new screenshots and some uh, new info on Marvel Avengers Alliance, which is our upcoming um, Facebook game that will launch soon, though we haven't uh, uh, given out a date for that yet, uh, so stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, so check it out. Uh, it's just um, we released some new info on basically some of the, the gameplay and how you uh, love up your heroes and and you know train them and yes um we'll be bringing you uh even more details on avengers alliance in uh the coming weeks um so stay tuned for that uh, because you know as as we uh uh, start ramping up for its eventual release. Uh, we just want to make sure that you guys know what it's all about. I have not had a chance to play it myself, but I've seen it in action. It actually looks like a ton of fun. It looks very much unlike any other uh, Facebook game that I've seen. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that you guys will really enjoy it. And that pretty much covers everything in news in terms of Marvel TV games and movies. So with that, I will say thank you once again for listening and uh, thank you to Ryan and Ben for tossing it my way and I send you back uh, to them. Alright, thanks Drami. Okay, I think now it's time for This Week in Marvel questions. Again, before we get into them, if you have questions, comments, anything about the show, anything about Marvel you want us to answer here on the podcast, make sure you tweet using the hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel. All right, we've got a bunch this week. So starting it off, starting us off is Robert, RCS underscore T. He said, you mentioned last week that you read every comic out each week. Curious how much time that takes. Well, it, it's hard yeah. to gauge because, like, I'll read... We get our comics for the yeah. upcoming week for on the Friday, Friday before. Yeah. So I'll read a few, you know, each day. On the train ride home, I'll read a couple. I was going to say, train rides are key for me because I'm commuting from New Jersey to New York City. So I usually have an hour yeah. at least either way. So that's where I get a lot of my comic reading. Yeah, and then, you know, it, it usually takes, depending on how long I get on my commute and what I'm doing at home, you know, you can speak for you, but it usually takes me between two, three days to get through them. You yeah. get through them in chunks. Yeah, I think I finished, I had last week's stack done, uh, or this week's stack done by Monday yeah. at some point. Yeah. All right. Another question from RCS underscore T. 
has a Marvel character ever tweeted during a comic? He could see Spider-Man saying, about to, to kick Doc Ock's butt. Uh, Spider-Girl has... I think she still has her own Twitter. Yep. She has her own Twitter, and it was used frequently in the rec- most recent Spider-Girl comic. So in, like, every issue. Yeah. That was, that was that written was by Paul Tobin. Part. Yeah. Uh, who is a frequent tweeter and a great writer. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Real Deadpool is... is uh, he, he doesn't tweet during the comics. Though. He has. Or he has? Yeah. So there you go. He, he has well. tweeted during the comic. There was an issue of Astonishing X-Men by Warren Ellis, I believe, where Armor had a, oh, yeah. had a Twitter... And I don't remember what it was. That was a, it was a while ago. She was she tweeted during the issue. Sometimes you'll see character. And this is less now, but like I remember, you know, when a new thing comes out, like Facebook or Twitter, they use like approximations. Yeah. But we have a lot of actual Twitter users in the Marvel universe. We work closely with Twitter on a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like I, I've I've been to Twitter offices, and I I have emails with them, and I help. I got Tom Hiddleston Hiddles. Hiddles. Uh, I got him verified. Uh, thanks to the Twitter folks for that. It, it happens, and it will continue to happen. And and of course, there's the Jean Grey school, which oh, yeah. you know, like not necessarily in the book, but I, that I, is very I, tied to yeah. what what the the what the folks who put the book together. I'm sure are they're going to work that in at some sure. point because they're very uh, they work very hard on those those yeah. accounts, and it, they're really great. Too. Very good. All right. So um, Arnie C. Must- back. With well, the same question well, asked no, last no, no, week. No, no, no. It's not that he has okay. the same question. He yeah, hasn't listened to the podcast to learn the not answer. Not that, he told Miss Marvel Girl, our number one fan, uh, that he didn't have time to listen. So I hope Jen gave him what's for. Yeah, Jen. But give yeah, him what for. Yeah, he asked the same question as last week. Did they ever tell, tell me how to pronounce Genki? Yeah, we did. Like, three times. We had Jordan White here, who's an editor, took time out of his day to answer your question. You didn't listen? That's... For shame. Yeah, that's that's the opposite of twin points. Negative twin points. Twin <laughs> demerits to the Arnie C. So he's got to work his way back from that. Yeah. All right. A couple from at DMC Guinness 37. So David... Maybe that's Mick Guinness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David <laughs> McGuinness. Uh, I enjoyed this week's This Week in Marvel. I think I'm going to adopt Agent M saying, what is it, again, so good I just want to tear it up. Yeah, David, I think you should take that and you should spread it to all your social spheres. Mm-hmm. Everyone should want to destroy those things that they love. Yeah, things, not people, because that's encouraging behavior we don't want to get into. Correct. Right. Another one from D. McGinnis, 37. Yeah. Questions yeah. about Dark Phoenix, oh. or, or just Phoenix in general. He wants to know what books he should read to get caught up on all things Phoenix. Dark Phoenix Saga. Uh, should be it's been collected numerous times in trade paperback um so that's you know that that's kind of the latter half of the phoenix story but phoenix was around for a couple years in uncanny x-men before the dark phoenix saga so my recommendation there would be to hit the uh marvel masterworks or the essentials um for x-men just make sure there's there's two different lines i forget which one's called x-men and which one's called uncanny x-men but one of the lines reprints starting with whatever reprints starting with giant size X-Men number one. So, you know, with Wolverine and Storm and all those characters jump in there and the Phoenix story comes up very fast and then unfolds over a couple of years. So that would be how I would, I would catch up with uh, Phoenix. There you go. Questions from dirty lash. So uh, this one, he asked you, how mutated do you have to be to be, to get into gene gray school? I have a long tie. Does that count? Or, I know someone with four nipples. Would they get into Jean Grey School? Well, Dirty Lash, <laughs> Mark, 
Um, first of all, you're cracking Nancy up, so that's great. I, I think that the Jean Grey School is not really about so much, you know, excluding people. I think, you know, anyone who wants to learn about mutations and learn how to manage that would probably be welcome. That being said, a long tie is not a mutation. I'm wondering uh, if you meant if you meant long tongue. And if you have a long tongue, that's different. But you have if you have a long. I, he yeah. definitely tweeted tie. The yeah, word tie. If you have a long tie, then I mean, oh, it, it, I think he meant to say tongue tie. I don't know. Mm. If something's up with your tongue, you can't help that. So yes, you could probably go to the Jean Grey School. <laughs> if it's your tie, you can easily correct that. Yeah, I mean, by ties just are getting, easy. Yeah, getting another tie or perhaps not wearing a tie. Um, the four nipples situation, it's not really a classic X-Men mutation, but if it's something that makes you feel outcast, then sure. Yeah. Plot of the they Jean School. You. I'm sure they will have you. I'm sure they'd love to have you. Um, I will say that when Sentinels or villains inevitably attack the school, you're probably going to be in a pretty bad spot yeah. um, because you can't do anything. Although, no. that person could wow them with all four nipples, and then that would stun the villains yeah, for them true. Wolverine to come in and cut their heads off. It depends on the villain. Again, if it's Sentinels, I think you're in trouble. Sure. Um, Exodus, maybe. That guy seems... Loves them nipples. Loves nipples. So, all right, before this goes any further, that's, <laughs> that's your answer. Take it or leave it. Another one from Dirty Lash. What's your favorite comic Easter egg? Mine is future Tony Stark's history map from when they try to stop Ultron. And I think that's talking about... Yes. The the map from when Avengers launched uh-huh. uh, a year or two ago. Yeah, and it had all those little allusions to stories that were... And, and if you look at that like now, that. it's great. Yeah, you, most you... of those stories have happened or are coming up. Yeah. I know mine, and I think you'll probably... I don't know if you'll agree with me, but you'll certainly support it, is in Hulk Future yep. Imperfect. Yep, done. Is that where you Same were going? exact yeah. thing. Hulk Future Imperfect, when they see... Is it Rick Jones's room, or is it Maestro's Trophy Room? It's Maestro's Trophy Room. Okay, so it's Maestro's Trophy Room... Uh, basically, you, you see Maestro's trophy room. It's all of the different keepsakes or uniforms of the different Marvel heroes that this crazy future Hulk has killed. Yep. So it's like Iron Man's helmet, Cap's shield, Wolverine's skeleton. But then you get down to like the really, like you look deep and there's some really obscure, like there's like Ant-Man stuff and there's yeah. really cool. That was drawn by George Perez, who's like one of the masters of... Detail. Yeah, detail and packing all those little Easter eggs. So that's probably my favorite Easter egg. That's, oh. that's a good one. So good. Yeah, that was my answer as well. All right. I had a feeling it might be. Yep. Which is why I spoke first. Jerk. At Dirty Lash, another one says, how many comics have you read the last week? Do you read competitions comics? Do you get them as we do or before? So... We read, uh, basically, however many comics Marvel puts out is right. about how many I read. Which I do varies. read, yeah, I do read some from the other companies. Yes, as um, do I. We just, you know, we want to keep up with some of our favorite creators or favorite mm-hmm. characters that aren't Marvel. Um, I'm not going to tell you what those are. I'm not no. here to promote them. No. But, you know, I think it's important to read a wide variety of stuff. Yeah. Comics are great and support the medium as a whole. Right. Um, and, we, and we do get them before... Do we? No, we for, get for non Marvel stuff. Right, I don't. Right. We'll sometimes just we get not get of, anything. Usually, yeah. yeah. So we don't get them before. Yeah, uh, and we when we them. say we get them, we get them here at Marvel. There's yeah. there's some sent here. We have an exchange program. Yes. In place. All right. So two more from at Dirty Lash. How far ahead is Marvel with stories? And also, how do you keep track and characters and their history? That's a job for editors, obviously, and writers and creators, and do all sorts of stuff. There's a lot of resources at their disposal, whether it's the handbooks or, you know, just doing good old-fashioned research. So as far as keeping track of characters and their history, 
it's, it's a job of everyone at Marvel to kind of keep on top of things. And that's why we have big creative summits and stuff like that. So, you know, a lot of creators and editors can get on the same page as far as stuff's coming up and, you know, make sure that if they're doing something and it contradicts a past story, another editor or creator can jump in and say, hey, wait a minute, this contradicts that story. You know, there's definitely an it-takes-a-village approach when it comes to creating comics in some senses because, you know, even though it's, it comes down to the creator and editor on the book, there definitely is a system of checks and balances in place to make sure they're checking in with everybody. In terms of how far ahead is Marvel with stories, it depends on the franchise or the title or the character, but again, going back to those creative summits, we have a pretty good roadmap um, at any given time, usually of the next year, year plus. Well into 2013. Yeah. I mean, I was at the, the summits this yeah. year, the most recent summits in January, and, you know, storylines that were talking about, okay, stuff that will happen later this year, and then how those stories progress into going into 2014. Mm-hmm. I mean, this stuff isn't, not every detail is nailed down. It's but, not set in stone. The further yeah. you get out, you know, there's always yeah. room for, well, if something happens or if something's well-received or poorly received, there's always room to change. But, you know, yeah, like I said, there's a roadmap going a ways into the future. Yeah. Good question, dude. All right, last one from Dirty Lash is more of a comment. He's been, we last week we recognized him as a regular listener to This Week in Marvel. And he says, that makes me a twim, twim maniac. Well, he's, that's, number one, that's great. I'm glad he picked up on the term. But he did spell it twim maniac. And I do have to correct him and say it's Twimamaniac. Yeah. So it's Twim hyphen A hyphen Maniac. If you want to put it all in one so you can hashtag it. Sure. Take out the hyphens, but, you know. Tying into that, RCS underscore T tweeted after he listened to episode 15, another great episode, Scarlet Spider 2, Here I Come. You may have convinced me on Deadpool. So two issues we really talked about highly last week. Not 100% sure on Twim-Maniacs. Well, are you sure on Twimomaniacs? Because yeah, where, it's a where do you fall thing. in this battle? Yeah, Twimomaniacs, I'm not big on either because that's not what we came up with. Yeah. We've got a question from at Verti. Hey, any chance of an official Multiple Man t shirt? Currently, I wear an oldie Thor t shirt costume t Old spelled like, oldie. like how you would back yeah. in olden times. I like that. Yeah. I'm and just a typo, but I'm going to assume it's not. <laughs> and, and I just pretend. Hmm. Um, I know I've seen people yeah, I've wear seen Madrox, t-shirts, Madrox t-shirts. I honestly don't know if it's official, yeah. but I think that's a great question to ask uh, Mighty Fine Tees. If you tweet to if you tweet at uh, We Love Fine Tees on Twitter, you can ask them if they have any plans to put any of those together because I think that would be great. Yeah, love a Madrox t-shirt, and I would have all my friends wear them too, so we could be a bunch of Madrox dupes that don't look anything alike. There you go. All right, Levi P. Tompkins tweets, So various places are reporting Hasbro is doing a Death's Head figure next year. Can you confirm? Indeed, I can. Mm. I was at Hasbro, uh, I was at their booth talking to Justin Acklin, who works for Hunter PR. Gave me a little scoop on that. They did show a CGI rendering of the Death's Head Marvel Universe three and three quarter inch figure to some collectors over the weekend. They did not have it on display. They, They weren't showing it to the general folks who were coming in. They didn't even show it to me. Because they're mean. Very mean. Yeah. But Death's Head will be coming to the Marvel Universe line in 2013. Is that original Death's Head? Not Death's Head 2? I, not having been able to see it, I don't know, but I'm assuming mm. it is original Death's Head. That makes Head. sense. I want to see Death's Head 2. I want a whole giant line of Death's Head figures. Yeah. 
but I, I remember when I was a kid, I knew nothing about Death's, Death's Head, Head 2. Death's Head 2 was such a brutal miniseries. I didn't read it, but I just remember looking at like covers and images, and I'm like, oh, that character looks so cool. We had uh, the Marvel UK line right. in, in the early 90s, and there was a limited series, Death's Head 2, right. which took the original Death's Head character, sort of wiped the slate clean, turned him into a crazy villain who took over the world. And you had Wolverine breaking an adamantium claw on him. You had Jugger, uh, Rhino and She-Hulk were together as a couple, like one of the last stands of humanity. Right. And they they were, you know, I think they, they both died in an issue. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Fantastic had been turned into a goo. Uh, it, it's I remember reading it so many times as a kid because I was just fascinated with this alternate universe. Yeah. It was I would, I would love to get some of that Marvel UK stuff from the 90s yeah. reprinted or collected because I've always wanted to read that stuff. Yep. At RickyDo85 says, Thanks for having my city, Novi, Michigan, in Deadpool number 50. You're welcome. That was all us. Yep, we did that. At GreyDevil13 says, Lots of new characters recently. Keeps the world evolving. What about new teams? Well, as we just mentioned in Invincible Iron Man this week, we saw the Dynasty which is a brand new team, and hopefully that will not be their last appearance. Um, so, you know, it's always cool to check out the the existing books and what they're adding. Dark Avengers are still pretty new. Uh, we see new villain teams popping up all the time, and, you know, we'll continue to. Yep. At Professor Nick Bag says, question, what death in the Marvel Universe has affected you the most? I mean... Cables, Nightcrawler. Yeah, those are rough. And Messiah, that wasn't Messiah Complex. That was Second, Second Coming. Coming. Second Coming, Cable, Nightcrawler, those are rough. I mean, I'm tempted to say Nova, but we never saw a body. So in my mind, he's still out there. Keep hope alive. Um, I remember the one that really hit me was when Colossus died, uh, curing the legacy virus. Yeah. See, I wasn't reading at that time, so I've only read it in it was very after well, the fact. It was very well done. I had just come back to comics. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was one of the first comics I read after I'd been gone for a little while. And Colossus, you know, was a character I loved as a kid. And when I first issues back, he's this heroic sacrifice. It's there's, it's an issue with no fighting or anything. It's just Beast discovers the cure to the legacy virus. They find out that the only way to make the cure work is someone has to take it and they'll die in the process. Um, they kind of spend the rest of the issue talking. Colossus steals the cure, injects himself with it, dies, and cures the legacy virus. And it was just such a poignant, beautiful uh, scene, I thought. Close runner-up from the 90s when Rage's grandmother died in New Warriors because Rage was and is this little kid in the body of an adult superhero and the person raising him was his grandma yeah. and one of the New Warriors enemies found out all their secret identities um, and came after all their family members and most of them just got injured but uh, there's this horrible, just tough scene of Rage cradling his dead grandma which was rough. I think the issue that really most affected me was in Amazing Spider-Man where J. Jonah Jameson's wife died. Oh, yeah. And the repercussions from that. That was Just one of the most well-told, utterly yeah. devastating issues of comics. Really just incredible storytelling. Yeah. The death of Captain America, too. I mean, a lot of these deaths have obviously since the people have come back, but that to me doesn't lessen the impact yeah. of the story. A, a story, a good yeah. story is a good story is a good story. Yeah, so... All right. Another one from Professor Nick Bag. I recently got my mom the first trade paperback of The Wizard of Oz, and she loved it. Is Marvel doing all 15 stories? That's the plan. Really? I think. 
I don't think we're doing. I don't know how many. I honestly don't know how many we're doing. My only concern in saying that affirmatively is that's Eric Schenauer and Scotty Young. Mm -hmm. I think the reason they work so well is because those two are just perfect together. They they work perfectly together. They know everything gels. And I know Scotty has a lot of stuff that he's he's doing more writing. He's doing a bunch of other things. He's got kid and all this stuff and Eric you know he's got his things I, I don't know that we're doing all 15 we'll try and get a, a more... I, I will I will revise my answer to saying that might not be definitively the plan but both of them when we've spoken about Wizard of Oz have said that is what they would like to do right. they both said they would like to do every yeah. book that's so, a huge commitment though. yeah life might get in the way but when I say that's the plan I mean that is that is a that is the ideal plan for yeah. uh, for Scotty and Eric the Geek PDT says, thanks to This Week in Marvel, I've just followed 14 fictional characters. Hmm. Which is great. Speaking of all the Jean Grey school oh, yeah. uh, kids out there, you can also follow Real at Real Deadpool. Um, I believe there's a Captain Britain one that was started a long time ago. That. There's uh, a Gorilla Man one. Yep. There are a couple others. We have a list on Marvel's Twitter mm-hmm. of all the characters who are officially sanctioned and on Twitter. And then says, uh, my followers to following ratio is looking extremely depressing. <laughs> well, I don't think so. I think that just means you're, you know, you have a you have a great imagination and you're whimsical and full of life. And hopefully some of those characters will follow you back. We'll see. We will see. Uh, OMFG It's Leo says, will Pete, oh, Peter and MJ ever get back together? Some developments in Amazing Spider-Man over the last uh, recent bit have really been exploring the Peter and Mary Jane relationship. At the end of Spider Island, they fought, they, they defeated the machinations of the Queen together, and they seemed very close, and it certainly seems to be something Dan Slott wants to explore, so time will tell, but Never, it's, I, it's always I, I, on the radar. Ever is, is basically a question that could span That's true. 70 more years of Marvel Comics. You never yeah. know. It could happen. Yeah. Yo, what, what ups... Tweeted, how's it going, Taco Man? Can I believe, we? Ex- I believe that's directed to you. It was. Yeah. Can we expect to see collectible figures coming out sometime around the Avengers release? Thanks, yo. What up, what ups? Yes, you can get collectible figures around the Avengers release. Hasbro is putting out some great stuff. Diamond Select Toys is putting out some great stuff. There will be Lego stuff. Plenty more. Humpty Tumpty Tum. Yeah. Tweeted. Will we ever see more Deadpool core? Side note, decided to pass on Michigan State Law, considering better options now. Good. Always consider your options. Did you advise this this? I, you know, I like to talk their, to I like to talk to people on Twitter. It's good. No, I mean if you want law school advice, definitely don't come to the me. guy to go to. <laughs> Will we ever see more Deadpool core? I don't know. I, you know, they were in that Deadpool family one shot, and I know a lot of the creators here and a lot of the editors love them. Um, so if there's demand, yeah, I think we could always see more Deadpool core. But yeah, it's another ever question. So yeah, yeah there definitely could be. In the near future, I don't know what the plans are, but I, I wouldn't be shocked. Yes. We did have some last-minute questions come up uh, while we were recording this Good and Lord. right before. So I'll, I'll get to those so they don't have to wait two weeks to get an answer. First one from Alex underscore M. Morales says, I've got three questions. I missed the noir universe. Any plans on bringing new books to the table? No, I missed the noir universe, too. I really liked the noir universe. There are no immediate plans. There's nothing that I know of is in the works right now, but, you know, again, that, that, that's a cool universe that I think had a lot of potential, and yeah. I, I think people would like to re-explore it. And, of course, you know, the Spider-Man video games are in, in Web, of Shadow, Web of Destiny. Web of Shadows? Shattered Dimensions. Shattered Dimensions? There was a Web of Shadows. There was. Right? I'm not there far. was. So yeah, Shattered Dimensions, you could play as Spider-Man Noir. He was actually my favorite Spider-Man to play as. 
Um, so just the fact that one of the characters made it into a video game, I think, speaks to the vitality of that universe and that there could certainly be more in the future. Yep. Another question from Alex underscore and Morales. Who designed the costume for Scarlet Spider? It's all Ryan Stegman. Ryan Stegman. Yep, the artist on Scarlet Spider. He did a bunch of different variations before yep. he finally settled on that one. Dude's pretty good. Yeah, he's not bad. Yeah. Alex M. Mora- underscore M. Morales says, The Marvel Comics app is my favorite app, but how does Marvel choose the back issues that are uploaded to the app? Also, is there a way for Marvel fans to choose the comics that would be uploaded in a monthly or weekly basis? I honestly don't know how they choose it. I, it's a mix. I, I assume it's a mix of books that are relevant to stuff that were, you know, that are coming out, stories that are important, and, and books that we know people generally love and want to read and, and purchase, you know, in, in a new way. I think if you want to influence that, the persons you tweet would be Gymnasetus. Yep. So J-I-M-N-A-U-S-E-D-A-S. He handles a lot of that stuff. Um, so if you tweet him with suggestions... You see uh, what he says. Yeah. The worst he can do is say no. Yes. Dr. Underscore Spidey has a question about... Um, the Watcher and previous hosts. Now that we have Lorraine Sink as our mm-hmm. host, um, really, we're not going to go into previous hosts. It's all about pushing forward. The Watcher, new episodes starting this week. Very excited for it. Hope you guys watch and enjoy it. And then finally, we were, I was wondering where she was. Oh. Ms. Marvel Girl, she's back, listening to the ep- last week's episode as we're recording this week's episode. That's nice. She said, "I accept oh, your new yeah. news coin back challenge." Picking it up this weekend. So, again, last week I said if you purchase New Mutants and you don't like it, take it, find me somewhere, I will pay you back for the print copy. You should probably specify somewhere would be at a convention. You don't want people coming to your house. Don't come to my house, but if if you're in a supermarket and you so... If just so happens if it's a public place yeah. don't come to marvel right in a public place is a, a good public thing. place that there's no security clearance you need to get in <laughs> you're you're cool yeah so yeah that that challenge still stands all right and she says placing my monocle on to read the lips of my podcasting fellows before i don my purple suit and fake accent in celebration I don't know what any of Great. that means, but I think that's the perfect way to yeah. end this week in Marvel. With a riddle. Yes. Of All right. sorts. Uh, so that wraps up episode 16 of This Week in Marvel. Thank you very much, Kerry and Nancy, our wonderful interns. Thank you to Ben Morse for being Ben. Thank you to me for being me. Thank you to Strami for pitching in from the West Coast. Not for being Strami, though. No, not at all. No. Uh, thank you to all the listeners and everybody who commented and tweeted and sent us questions. We really appreciate it, and we always love the feedback and, and anything we can do to make the podcast better. Uh, again, send your tweets to at under, uh, agent underscore M to at Ben J. Morse. And as always, use the hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel. We'll be back next week with another action-packed episode. This is Marvel, your universe.